0: Welcome to Wind Up Weekly.
1: I'm Matthew Gone.
0: And I'm Katie Canfield.
1: And we're here to share the week's news in wine.
0: This week on Wind Up Weekly.
1: H&M turns wine into a leather alternative clothing range.
0: Alcohol sales fall in Scotland after minimum unit pricing is introduced.
1: Italian wine fraud uncovered in Lombardy.
0: Treasury warns declines in wine consumption in the USA, affecting profits.
1: ProVine introduces ProWine Sao Paulo in 2020. Broadening its global portfolio.
0: And as ever, our one of the Week.
1: I'm recording my part of the podcast in Perpignan right now, in Roussillon, in southern France. And I'm enjoying it greatly. I arrived in France on Thursday, I flew into Charles de Gaulle and got the train down to Montpellier and spent a night there, and it's a beautiful city, really lively, lots of wine bars and restaurants, and I could have spent a few nights uh, more there. But I really needed to get down here to Roussillon to taste Van du Naturel. I visited Dombrial, which is the largest and oldest cooperative in the region, a friend of mine works there so she gave me a tour of the winery and it's fascinating to see how a cooperative works and how they try to ensure um, quality despite working with 80 growers and actually uh, 200 different families and so they work really hard to maintain quality in contrast to some other cooperatives and then i went to uh, Mas Amil which is one of the more famous wineries in Roussillon especially for their fortified wine the Van Du Naturel And at both those wineries, I tasted wines going back to 1969 and 1959, so it's really exciting to taste these old wines. And then on Saturday morning, I went to a really small producer, a guy called George Puig, um, with a Catalan name, so the big Catalan influence here. And he um, can trace his family back to the 1200s, and also um, the production of red wine and also eau de vie to 1457. And now I'm off to to Toulouse to meet my sister, and we'll be exploring the wines of southwest France over the coming week.
0: Meanwhile, in California, earlier this week we visited Promontory, the latest and perhaps last winery endeavor of Bill Harlan, whose most iconic wineries include Harlan Estate and Bond, both in the Napa Valley. And though Promontory runs in the same vein as its siblings in that it's very expensive, and it's a Napa Cabernet-based blend, It is also very good, it must be said. Uh, There are some differences, perhaps in part because the project is spearheaded by the second generation of the family. For example, the winery is open to the public for tastings by appointment and for a hefty fee, of course. And get this, you can actually buy wine at the winery when you visit. So the hope here is to attract younger drinkers, uh, which is a wise move, given how consumers these days are being drawn to better value wines. So the visits are $200, but the location is exquisite and the wine is absolutely beautiful. So it just might be worth your cash. It
1: was quite the treat visiting Promontory, I've been meaning to go there for quite a while. So seeing the property uh, for ourselves, uh, the vast expanse, that mixture between not quite being um, at the top of the hill, but not being on the slopes either, and just getting that nice exposure, just gave us an idea of why the wines are so elegant and well-structured. And tasting the three vintages side by side, 2012, 2013, 2014, really gave you an idea of the variation in vintages in Napa. Subtle, but very apparent and so it's a fascinating tasting. And although the wines are very expensive, they do um, live up to their reputation. <music> Grappa and Mart may have to take a back seat to an innovative new method for repurposing great pomace. Swedish clothing company H&M has developed a leather alternative made from the leftover skins and pips of the berries after crushing and pressing the juice to make wine, which is typically used as compost in the vineyard, or often distilled to make spirits such as grappa and mark. The resulting material, called vegea, will be used to make clothing, handbags and shoes, and forms part of the larger conscious collection line, comprised of only eco-friendly clothing and accessories. The collection will go on sale at stores around the world at the end of March. This is all part of a greater goal of the multinational to have 100% of its materials be recycled or sustainably sourced by 2030.
0: So this is really interesting. In the face of climate change, sustainability has become the buzzword for many industries, with companies coming up with innovative ways, some more convincing than others, to use resources more efficiently and to reduce their carbon footprints. This one could be a powerful move, however, with the vegan movement still on the rise and consumers looking for more ecologically sound fair trade products. It was just the other day I was speaking to a friend who tries to only buy clothing from companies that have top social and environmental standards. However, for basics like socks and bras, etc., it's very difficult to come by. So hopefully this will inspire others. I, for one, can't wait to get me some pleather. Get it? Pumice and leather? Oh.
1: Scotland has been debating for years on whether to introduce a minimum unit pricing for alcoholic drinks in order to tackle the country's drinking problem, and it's a debate that industries in other countries have looked on with interest and some concern. Minimum unit pricing was finally introduced in May 2018, and figures just released show the impact it has had. The law made it illegal to sell alcohol at less than 50p a unit, with cider price at a minimum of 56p and wine at 61p in contrast to previous prices of 13 and 14p, respectively. And sales have consequently fallen. Not surprisingly, given it was a choice of many problem drinkers, cider sales have fallen the most, by 18.6%. One cider brand, Frosty Jacks, which used to cost £3.70 for a 3-litre bottle, now costs £11.25. Spirits fell by 3.8%, wine by 3%, and beer by 1.1%. However, sales of Bookfast, a notorious fortified tonic wine, actually rose by over 16% as its price did not change at £7.99 for a 750ml bottle. Minimum unit pricing certainly seems to work in tackling massively underpriced drinks, but it doesn't remove the problem completely. So Katie, what are your thoughts on minimum unit pricing? Do you think that would work in other countries?
0: I've never been a fan of governments attempting to control consumption through pricing. It seems it's a way of skirting around the other option, which would be spending money in developing social programs that could help root out the crux of the problem, in this case alcoholism, while posing barriers to entry for local producers and those looking to import. But for brands that are already at the sweet spot in price, as in the case of Buckfast, it provides a fantastic opportunity. But here in the US, it's almost a non-issue, seeing as we have so many other existing laws, three-tier system, for example, that drive up prices of alcoholic drinks. So maybe I'm not in a position to comment. However, I do think time will tell whether this sort of approach is going to make a difference in the real social problem at hand. fraud has been reporting on wine fraud more than expected over the last few months, and without resorting to stereotypes, Italy seems to be guiltier than most. Last week, police made five arrests after raiding 28 premises across the country. The fraud uncovered centered in Lombardy, in Otrepo Pavese, in the province of Pavia, Police discovered that a cooperative had been adding sugar, additives, and non-approved grape varieties to make fake Pavese DOC and PGI wines, and to increase volume. Some of the wines were also incorrectly labeled as organic. This fraud goes so deep that Alberto Carini, chairman of the Cantina Social di Caneto Pavese Co-op, and Aldo Venco, vice chairman of the local winemakers association, were arrested. This comes just a few years after fake wines in Oltrepò Pavese were investigated.
1: It's really interesting to read this story after visiting the co-op in Rusium, as I mentioned in my week in wine, uh, because at that co-op, which is a large co-op and an old co-op, there's a real emphasis on quality and tracing the uh, the fruit from start to finish and so they rank the vineyards that the growers are working with and also the fruit as it comes in they rank and so the growers who um, bring in the best fruit and are able to uh, add to the best wine get paid the most so it's very uh, traceable it's very open and it really does lead to a higher quality uh, level of wine. Whereas there are obviously co-ops elsewhere in France, but especially Italy perhaps, that don't emphasise quality, they're trying to cut corners and trying to make um, as much money as possible without actually being traceable and not following the laws. And so the fact that they've been found out is a good thing because it really does uh, protect the consumer and make sure they're getting what they should be getting.
0: Starting in fall of this year, ProVine, among the leading B2B wine fair networks, is getting even bigger, now introducing an event in Brazil's largest city, Sao Paulo. ProWine Sao Paulo will be held October 20th to the 22nd at the Transamerica Expo Center and will replace ProVino, a trade fair that took place last year to great success. While ProVine organizers Mess Dusseldorf have existing trade fairs in Dusseldorf, Shanghai, Singapore, and Hong Kong, this edition will mark the first to specifically target the Latin American market. So we think the move is telling of the growing importance of the South American wine market in the global scale of things. And as you know, we will be in Provine in March in Dusseldorf, so perhaps we can swing it and make it to Brazil in October so we can report back. So now for our wine of the week, which I'm leaving to Matthew, since he's in the south of France. I figured he'd have some interesting wine to share with you, so let's turn it over to him.
1: Despite all the great fortified wine I've been trying here in Roussillon, I decided to choose a non-fortified wine, because here in Roussillon there's some really good uh, red wine in particular, some good white wine too, but it's the red wines which have impressed me the most, and they're made mainly from Grenache with Carignan and maybe a little bit of Syrah or more Verdra. So similar in style to the Southern Rhone but also with a touch of Spain to them. There's a similarity to the wines of Catalonia and Priorat in particular. Not surprising because Roussillon does straddle France and Spain and um, the identity here is as much Catalan as it is French, with lots of Catalan names. Uh, the um, non-fortified wine I've tried is by a fortified wine producer, Mas Emile, but they produce a whole range of red and white wines, which r- really impressed me in their consistency as well as their quality. And mainly Grenache based, although they do make 100% Carignan as well, which is very interesting to try. But the wine I tried, uh, the wine I tried, which really impressed me, is called Alt 433 and the reason for that is because it comes from their highest property which is 433 metres high Uh, from 2016 it's made from Grenache but also La Ronde Pelu, which is a local grape that you very, very rarely see outside the region, if at all. And so it was interesting to have that uh, grape in the mix. And this comes from nice soils, and it's very unusual because it's only 12.5%. A lot of the wines I've been trying, uh, even the non-fortified ones, are 14.5%, and it's unusual for Grenache to be uh, that low on alcohol. But I think that's the addition of La Ronde Poulet just reduces that alcohol a little bit. So it's quite pale in colour, then it's fruity and delicate with that low alcohol with really pure raspberry fruits and a grainy texture and a really nice spiciness to it. So I really enjoyed this wine because of its uh, pale appearance, because of its light delicacy and it's really pure or a fruity style, Had a kind of a mixture of what you expect from Roussillon with that fruitiness, but what you don't expect with the lower alcohol. So really really um, interesting alternative. and. Uh, really tying in with trends for Grenache to be lower in alcohol and a little less intense and full-on. So I really enjoyed that wine.
0: Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Canfield.
1: I'm Matthew Gordon.
0: And we invite you to take a moment and write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts, That's how people find us, is good reviews by our lovely listeners.
1: So if you like us and want to spread the word, then do that.
0: Until next week.
1: Cheerio.